Bears Land is back. Welcome in, everybody. We're going to do a two-part series this week, episode release on Tuesday and on Thursday. Thursday, we're going to be joined by Johnny Levine, founder of the Arizona Tennis Classic, as well as doing a little bit of uh, Indian Wells sort of preview. Tournament starts on Wednesday, March 8th. Today, we're kind of going to dive into a little bit of the tour wrap-up, and then we've got one of our very own, Cole Wernicke, was out in the tennis paradise out in Indian Wells live yesterday, had a full day, got to go to the City Taste of Tennis, watch a lot of practice, see a couple qualities matches, see a couple friends of the pod. Cole, it seems like Cole did it all yesterday. Um, so excited to hear kind of Cole's stories from, from the day out in Indian Wells. But first, let's go through the tour recap. So on the women's side, we'll start briefly in Monterey. Donna Vekic took home her title. And down in Austin, Texas, they hosted their first ever WTA tournament. And Kostiuk took took the win there um, for her first title, I believe. Um, so pretty, pretty cool. On the men's side, let's work our way down to South America. Santiago, Chile. The Chilean himself, Nicolas Jari. His family runs the tournament. And he and he won the tournament. Pretty pretty it's cool. Little, he won maybe three or four three setters in a row. Little little insider trading there for Jari. Uh, he beat he beat Echeverry, which when we were doing this podcast a long time ago, I I highlighted Echeverry as a breakthrough guy. But I think Jari Jari actually had uh, I think he had some time away from tour. I don't I don't know what he did. Fred, do you remember what he did? Injured. He was injured for a while. Was, it, was yeah, he injured? Or at, no, but he it? was hurt, but he was suspended from the tour for something. And I think it was some sort of PEDs or, or something like that. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's just very fitting to see a guy come back and win a tournament that his family owns. But but I digress. Yeah, Keith will probably tell you that this was another stacked draw in South America. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he, he beat some players. I mean, he beat Lajevich, Uh So... Baez, you know, yeah, it was a good draw, but it's mostly all the guys that stick around in the golden swing, as they've been calling it. But good, good for him. Um, oh, maybe he can build on it a little bit. I mean, a great start to the year for for him, for the most part, on dirt. He made a good run the prior week. He's made a couple good runs actually, going through qualifiers in Brazil, I think, and uh, at the other two fifties in Argentina. Uh, he was a guy that like kind of fell off the face of the earth because of injuries and because of maybe suspension. Uh, he was on like one of the, I think the first labor cup team for the team world as like an alternate, like he was that good. And I remember looking at him and he was just a, like, he stood next to Kevin Anderson and kind of like similar built guy. And, and well, he was his career high 35, I think. And now he's up to like 52 in the world right now. So within the past two months, one month, he's gone from 150 to 52 in the world just on a good clay swing. So Nicholas Jari looks like he's back a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Also, also want to uh, point out that the four seed, the um, five seed and team and Garin all lost before the quarterfinals. Just, just, to, and Schwartzman as well. It's just unbelievable what, how, what happens at these two fifties. Yeah. You know, I won some money at this 250. This is this is a nice. This is <laughs> I won some money in this 250. The only seed in the final four was Baez, and he was the three seed. Everybody else was unseated. That's what happens down there, man. Something in the water. Just nickels, nickels, and diamond. Yeah, nickel and diamond on the clay in Chile. Well, let's work our way up a little bit. We'll head into Mexico. 
Acapulco ATP 500. Awesome tournament. I, I think every year it's an awesome tournament. I think everyone always looks forward to it. The matches, they don't start before 6 p.m. local time. So everything is a night match. It's just the atmosphere is awesome. The crowd's great. Half the time they're booing whoever it is. And they, <laughs> the energy they bring is is awesome down there. And the tennis usually matches that, which is pretty cool. But Demonor took that title over Tommy Paul in the semifinals. Tommy Paul took out Taylor Fritz in an incredible match. That's probably second or third match this year that I've watched fully engaged start to finish. And it did not disappoint. Yep. Uh, I know that both guys are really feeling it physically. I remember that match uh, from early or late last week. It was really physical. Um, but Fred, like you said, just another great week in Mexico. I think this tournament has been awarded like best 500 a couple of years um, since it's been been a stop and it just doesn't miss. Like I remember Del Potro had a comeback win here. Um, and you know, the Mexican fans, South American fans always get rowdy. It's, it's great. And their outer courts are like sweet too. Uh, I remember Fonini getting a big crowd a couple years ago when he was on an outer court and then just the venue itself, it's like right on the beach. There's a golf course there. Um, it's definitely a, it's definitely worth the 500 label. And I can definitely see why these players go down and, and make it a point to, you know, go to this tournament, but demon Mexican demon, baby. Is that, a, is that a chupacabra? That's how is that a is that a Mexican demon? Is that what we're gonna call Alex <laughs> Demonor whenever he goes to half of the border? We just start calling him the chupacabra. Yeah. Um, some some leads that were kind of buried at this tournament because of how good that Fritz Paul match was, which had puke gate in it, which had Taylor Fritz vomiting in the middle of the match in a trash can because he was so worn out. Uh, just some things to kind of watch from that tournament that may have ramifications throughout the year. One is Casper uh, Rude does not look good. Casper Rude looks bad. And Matteo Berrettini, who had a couple of decent wins to start off, I think won like five total points off of Holger Runa and then retired. Like it was 6 0, like something love. And then he retired. It didn't even look like he belonged to the court. He was battling an injury again. And it's starting to feel very consistent for Berrettini that this is now kind of feeling like his fifth injury in like 12 matches. So that's something to watch out for. Uh, really could have had a great tournament if you had two Americans there. Nothing against uh, my new nickname, the Chupacabra, Alex Demonora, but it would have been really <laughs> great to have like an American win that event because it could pull some American, like, you know, some draw some Americans back in outside of Taylor Fritz. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I people forget that Alcaraz and Nori were both supposed to play in this draw and they both pulled out because they played in back-to-back finals down in South America before coming up to Mexico. So that, and, and it was already a phenomenal tournament, but I, I would have loved to see what it would have been like with those two guys in it. Um, yeah. It makes Nori look like an idiot when you said that Alcaraz wasn't injured after his match and then Alcaraz like couldn't walk to the tournament. Like if he wanted to. Well, like Cam Nori is now the clay god and, and Acapulco is not on clay. So I can totally understand why he didn't, he pulled out, you know, he just wants to get to, he wants to get through the sunshine swing and then he wants to just get on the clays of Monte Carlo and Madrid. He just can't wait for that French Open. Um, but another another one is uh, Berrettini, right? We're, we're, we're missing Jacobo. Jacobo Berrettini. Oh, yeah. I forgot about the younger the younger Berrettini. <laughs> who, who, who may actually be better than Matteo at this point. I'm kidding. I'm joking, Keith. 
Guys, but, I was not I was not far off. I just looked at the stats. Sorry to cut you off there, Cole. It was 20, 28 to seven points for yeah, Holgaruna. Seven, seven points. He won seven points in a set in a game. Jeez. Which means the only difference between Berrettini and myself in that match was seven points. <laughs> <laughs> That's insane. It's ridiculous the distance. You, would you have won seven points off of Berrettini? I mean, I'm just hoping for five double faults and a good serve, two good well, serves, I, and, that, and that'd be the hope. Serve plus one, just hit everything to the backhand. I bet you he dumps a few in the net with the slice. Yeah, you're no, I, I ain't win seven points off Berrettini. <laughs> oh. Cool. Well, enough enough in Acapulco. Let's head back to the Middle East where they had their final tournament in Dubai. Medvedev won again three in a row, three tournaments in a row. Phenomenal effort. I mean, he's like we've been talking about, I feel like, for the last month. We said we're hoping he's going to find his form. Then he sort of seemed like he found it, and now I think he's really found it, establishing himself back where he really belongs. Took out Djokovic in the semis. Great, great match. Yeah. Yep. Great match. I mean, he's he's back to that sort of robotic form. It's it's awesome to watch. And then he absolutely rolled Rublev in the final. Two and two had seven total unforced errors. Seven total unforced errors. Berrettini only won seven points. Medvedev only made seven unforced errors in a match. In the so words good. of Meatloaf, you took the words out of my mouth there, Fred. I was I was gonna snag that stat from you. Uh, yeah, I never have looked. I mean, that straight what's that's wins over Djokovic is big. Uh, uh, also, like just quietly, something to watch out about this is Zverev looks like he may be kind of rounding himself into firm, form a little bit here. Made the semis, lost to Rublev, but lost the second set in a breaker. So, uh, so Zverev starting to find some of his form after looking pretty poor at the beginning of this year, coming off an injury. Uh, but it's really apparently easy to beat Rublev, who who only has two total tools in his uh, in his entire box. So, uh, like you know, Medvedev made it look easy. Yeah, look, Medvedev was is, is on his last cr- crusade. He started out in Rotterdam, and now he's taking over the Middle East. It's just three on <laughs> three three on the trot. Um, but those guys are, you know, him and Rublev go way back, and it was nice to see, uh, nice to see Medvedev sort of stick up for his boy at the trophy ceremony. So it's good, good tournament in, in Dubai. It always is. Yeah, what what these two are mentioning there with the tool tools in the box and sticking up for his guy in the press conference, Medvedev made a reference to a comment that Stefano Tsitsipas said in a press conference earlier or late last year, I believe, and said something to the effect of Rublev is it's amazing how far he's made it when he doesn't have that many tools in, in his bot in his toolbox, essentially saying he doesn't really have any weapons or anything. And he's, and he's kind of made it this far and, and was a little thrown a little shade there. And Medvedev basically pointed that out and then threw a little bit of shade back and was like hoping he's like, I hope one day you get to play this guy who says you don't have much going on and, and you can really take it to him, which just kind of, I mean, the three of us were texting the group chat, but I, I think that's awesome for tennis. I think tennis needs this little bit of beef, this little bit of chaos. It, it creates some of these must watch environments. I think Kyrgios is one that we always point to because he's so polarizing, but it's always must watch tennis. Always. Holger Rune is another one. Seems like the whole tour hates the guy. We hate the guy. <laughs> like it's just, 
it's but you got to watch because you're like, okay, what chaos might happen today in this match? And, and I think tennis as a whole could use some more of this. Yep, personality is huge, and uh, Sitsi Pass keeps catching a little bit of flack. Like I thought, Sitsi Pass came off looking a little bit the snobby individual when he played Kyrgios last year at Wimbledon, like, you know, firing a couple balls in the stands and just causing like shenanigans, like, you know, letting Kyrgios get to him. And then he makes this comment, which I didn't think really was that bad of a comment because he's kind of right about Rublev. Rublev just hits the ball very hard and just blazes his way through it. And then when he plays somebody that that doesn't bother him as much, he has trouble winning. That's why he, that's why he hasn't won a tournament bigger than a 500 yet for how talented he is. But, we need some personality in the sport because with the big three dissipating off, I want to see like, you know, like, like those days where it was McEnroe throwing fits on the court and everybody hates Jimmy Connors, but like, you know, his fans love him. I want to see that kind of thing come back into the game. And so having Medvedev throw a little shade. Yeah. I, I absolutely love it. Yeah. I mean that, that, that shade goes way back to when they, uh, you know, Hated the hated their I don't know one of their first meetings in uh, Miami. Anybody remember that one? Oh my says, god! Yeah, yeah oh, great says, call. Look yeah. at me, or it's like you, you, you better you better shut your fuck up when I'm talking to you or something. <laughs> and then he's like, "You bully." He called him a bullshit Russian. So it goes way back. And then um, this Rublev uh, um, pass match actually happened at the ATP World Tour Finals. Yeah. So it's like you know, it's not like it's like they have a month and a half to like stew. You know, before the new season, so it's great. But yeah, he definitely. I mean, I read Jimmy Connors' book, and he was he was just like talking about how he loved being an asshole. He loved yeah, he getting did. under people's skin. It's a whole different part of it, and uh, it's it's you know, I, I I sort of feel like it doesn't become about tennis at that point. Um, but you definitely need some personality. I just think that you know, it's it's easy to step over the lines and or as it goes, but. Um, like, like Wimbledon, Kyrgios and, uh, Pass, like that was a really tough watch for me because I was just like, man, this is not even about tennis. And these guys are like to trying to destroy each other's head. And, uh, I felt like Pass couldn't even play because of the whole circus that was going on, but like the little jabs and the press beefs, like I kind of like that. That's the, the drama we I like. It's just kind of hard when it takes away from the actual tennis that that it gets under my skin. Yeah. I mean, think about other sports. Think about golf right now. I think golf with the Live Tour. The, oh, there's, so did somebody else make a golf reference? It wasn't me. Oh, golf reference. <laughs> I, had to, I had to do it before you and keep the theme for our podcast. But anyway, the I think the Live Tour and the PGA – is just it's a prime example and i think it's great i don't care about golf nine times out of ten but now i'm a little more invested in it because of what's going on with this stuff like all right what's going to happen or you see scotty scheffler is hosting the champions dinner at the masters and he put on the little label live players meet me on the ninth green at 9 p.m like stuff like that is great is shooter awesome. mcgavin reference great shooter mcgavin <laughs> reference it's, it's awesome and i mean in in the nba for instance two nights ago luca and devin booker going head to head and they've had this ongoing beef for the last year basically i think in sports these these narratives these storylines are, are awesome think about post super bowl 
uh, AJ Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster are going at it th- through social media and someone's calling somebody out and he's throwing shade right back at him and calling him a little TikTok guy and all that stuff. And so I, I, I love it. And I think tennis is so unique because it's supposed to be this sportsmanship and gentleman-like sport. And I don't think it needs to go way beyond that. And yeah, changeovers, guys talking shit to each other. But I think a little bit more of this animosity instead of just buddy-buddy 24-7 is going to create a lot more intrigue for the common fan. And just and even for the regular tennis fan, I think it just spices it up so much more. And now maybe we tune into a random tournament. We might not because there's more of a storyline instead of just the storyline being like, can they drink the water down in Santiago this week? Like, okay, great. <laughs> I get Fred, Fred is so spot on with just like how general reporting goes on with, with tennis there. Cause what you're hoping for is something outside of just like, Oh, he cursed on the tennis court and Oh, he did his, it was it, it was his outfit white enough during the match at Wimbledon. Like, like we need these little bit of banter's back and forth because then it creates guys that are also friends and stick up for each other. It gets it gets groups together that want to play together, and you get to see fun practices when you go to these events. And then, like, what happens if you get Medvedev and Rublev practicing together, and Sitsi passes on the court right next door to him, and you have like just the looks being given back and forth? It just makes it more fun for the fans because it's a gentleman's sport, but you're going to dislike people. So I'm actually for trash talking when you cross over on the changeover. If I'm changing over and I'm playing a, and I'm playing a jerk, I'm just like, hook me one more fucking time. Like, let's go to town here. <laughs> I, I, guess I, only, I only did that one time. There was a guy who just made the most brutal call on deuce point, set point. And we were just walking to the changeover and I just looked at him. And I was like, man, how do you sleep at night? Yeah. Give me that. <laughs> Give me that a little bit. Give me that. I guess I'm not hard, guys. I guess, I, I guess I'm not hard. Well, you just gotta compete more, dude. You gotta, yeah. you gotta compete more, and then, and then you'll see where we're coming from. And then, when you're watching the matches, you'll be like, "Man, I wish that guy would do more of this." Or it's like, once you, once you keep competing, you're, you're gonna start getting that fire that I know I have, and I know Keith has probably like six times more than I do, because I was, <laughs> because when Keith and I were on the court together, I'm like, "Dang, Keith, the Phillies really coming out in you right now." God. Oh my gosh. To the to the idea of competition, we got big competitions coming up this week. We got Indian Wells coming up this week, and live live from the grounds on Tuesday morning, we have Cole Wernacki. Cole, what's life been like at Indian Wells? As Fred said, starts tomorrow. What's it been like over there? It has been unbelievable. I've I mean I've only been to the City Open and the Miami Open Masters, and this tournament is so much better than both. It's and everybody I've been talking to here has been saying that it's better than uh, most of the slams. So let me walk you through a day in the life of tour correspondent Cole. Uh, I I get to uh, the ground. I drive up from Phoenix. Uh, a lot of you know I live in Scottsdale, Phoenix area. So I drove up yesterday morning. Woke up at six a.m. Got to Indian Wells at about ten. Um, went right to parking. Parking free, super easy. The nicest, I mean, look, this is a free plug for the freaking tournament. Like, they have it down to a system. Like, you're, it was like an airport. So, I go in there, we're good, walk out, get my ticket, immediately walk in, get on a court. Such a nice, like, just the scenery is like flowers in full bloom. 
the venue is just gorgeous, gorgeous. Uh, I make my way to the practice courts and uh, happen to stumble upon Jack Draper and Yuri Lehechka in a very, very tense uh, practice. Um, and it's getting towards the end of the practice, and uh, Yuri ends up winning the last point. I guess they were playing uh, games or whatever. And, uh, you know, Jack hits it in the net and then just absolutely detonates a racket. And and Keith, I know that probably hurts you because he's a Dunlop guy. <laughs> but he just spikes it, and Gasquet's got the court next, and Gasquet's like, what's going on? <laughs> But yeah, practices were really cool. Um, got to see Dominic team hit, and I know we've we've given him uh, some grief on here and thinking we've never he's never gonna you know make it back to you know top ten status he's had. But like just watching him hit, you'd think that he was the greatest tennis player ever. Um, Sabalenka was on court hitting as well. Um, actually, got a signed tennis ball by her, which was you can call me a fanboy, whatever. You are uh, a fanboy. <laughs> You're a complete fanboy of Sabalenka. I mean, Cole, when when you're there for the like for the practices, at least when I've gone to events, I think practicing, watching them practice when you have access is better than watching them play. Would you would you kind of agree with that? Like, what, like is it more accessible? Is it is there more understanding of what goes on in everyday life when or in everyday how they play when you're when you're watching them practice? Yeah, I mean, definitely. The you were so close to these players. Yeah, that's a cool part. Which is, uh, which I've learned is like sort of a niche thing for Indian Wells. Like I know at um, uh, City Open, like you're, it's through a fence and you can't really, but like Indian Wells, you can like really get on top and like I could have touched Jack Draper's head. Like I was that close. Um, but you do get to see like their personalities. Which like one, we were, Cole? Which which head would you touch for Draper? Uh, <laughs> I would. <laughs> gonna answer that question you lulled me and i was gonna answer the question <laughs> but no the my the cool dynamic for me is like listening to the coaches and the player and the player uh talk about like the point that just happened and that's happening right in front of you he's like you should have done this with a third ball in the rally and, and th- if you hit it here then he wouldn't have been able to hit it there and then he was having momentum and i was just like dude this is sick like i freaking love this shit this is awesome i think the casual fan doesn't understand because we watch it on TV so much, how good these guys are. It's and, and it's unlike any other sport, tennis is one where the practicing is so much more, I guess, physical than every other sport. Like if you just watch golf practicing, they just hit the ball straight, 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 straight. You watch football practicing, they just throw the ball or block, and you don't really know what's going on. Or soccer, they're just doing like some small drills. But in tennis, it's it's very physical, the practicing. And so that's yeah. where I I love going to see that kind of stuff whenever I can at those tournaments. That's my favorite part of the tournaments. Uh, yeah. I, I completely agree. And I saw a video, and I think, Cole, you said maybe you got to watch Monfils and, and Hercotch practice, but I saw a video of them, and it's amazing, I, I think, and you can probably really appreciate it more in person, but these guys track down some balls that, like, you just – no no one should be able to get. And they're having these 20-ball rallies, and it should have ended 15 balls ago. And they're just sliding corner to corner, and the crowd is ooing and eyeing, and oh, it's it's so cool. But talk talk to us about that. Yeah, moment. Like, that like moment if, you, if we're if we're giving if we're giving out awards for physical practice awards, like I'm gonna give it to Yuri and Jack Draper, and then the second most physical one would be uh, Fuskovitz was practicing with um, 
Karen Hatchinoff. And then at the bottom, 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 bottom of the list would have been Hercotch and Mumphies. <laughs> <laughs> like Hercotch was like ready to work, like, you know, take his volleys. Like he just won a tournament a week or two ago. And Gail's, this is Gail's first tournament back uh, since being out. And his ranking's down to 210 and he got a protected ranking into this tournament. But like Hubie hits up serves and all that stuff and hits, it comes and takes volleys. And it, they're like, Gail, wanna, wanna, wanna take volleys? And Gail's like, no, I'm good. <laughs> like she was just out there to have a good time, really, and get the feel back. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know what to expect from him this week. But uh, yeah, there's guys working. Demon was working with a hitting partner. They put a water bottle down, um, and they, it was like a competition of who could knock over the water bottle first. But backhand, backhand to backhand, and then uh, forehand to forehand, and then just hard middle. And Demon actually lost that challenge to his hitting partner. It's pretty great. Um, but they're they're roping it, man. Like it's not a it's not like a rhythm. Feel your way into the into the practice. Like these balls are coming so fast, so fast. Yeah, I can't wait to get some of the stuff you have up on on the social media, Cole. Because some of the stuff you have is just is so cool. Watching some of these practices and watching the way these guys and girls hit the ball. It's, yeah, it's it was it, it was amazing, and it's funny because like. Sometimes we'll go to an event and then it'll be some time before we go to another event and you almost like forget how hard they're hitting it and how clean they're hitting it. Yeah. And then you go to something like this where all the best players are there and it's just like, God, this is a joke. Um, they The way the stadiums were, were um, like Medvedev and Rude and all those guys were practicing on Stadium 1, which the general admission couldn't get in. Um, so like we got two through nine was practices and um, – matches so I, I i took in some qualies matches saw chris eubanks he lost uh to maximilian marcher small german guy but he serves 132 on the radar i was shocked uh and he ended up winning in three uh went and saw caroline dolhide beat harriet dart i was sitting up top with friend like of the podcast two, yeah friend of the podcast caroline dolhide Sitting up, <laughs> sitting up top with two um, coaches of other players who were scouting, um, and they were like, I guess one was British, and they were just cheering them on. Like really good atmosphere for qualies at uh, Indian Wells, just like really like decently packed uh, stadiums. Um, and then while that was going on, I left that and I went and watched Taro Daniel take on um, Nicholas Nick Nick Hart from uh, the Dominican, and that was a good one. That went three. So all the matches I got to see were. We're great. Tara Daniel won that, and um, after losing the first, absolute battle. He's got Popperin today. Yeah, I was gonna say we have two. We have two getting the bump picks here. Uh, Yuri Lahetchka, obviously an automatic qualifier, who's in, uh, and good sign beating Jack Draper, who's top fifty in the world, and pra- even if it is a practice. And then Alexi Popperin goes on today after winning his first round of the qualifier. So, fingers crossed, we can get him in the main draw. That'd be kind of cool to have both those guys there at the tournament. Maybe one of them make a little bit of a run. Yeah, and I'm 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 aligning here with you, Keith. I'm, I'm on the popper train with this for this week because, you know, he's got Daniel today, and Daniel came off a long week last week. He beat Casper Rude last week. Yep, made a quarterfinal, and then he's got a he played a gruel like it was really a grueling match uh, yesterday versus Hart. Um, so I'm thinking popper could maybe maybe catch him catch him while he's uh. Not physically all there, um, but yeah. Hey, that was just the uh, that was just the start of my. It's just day. the tennis. 
That's just the tennis. <laughs> what happened post tennis, baby? Good God. So, you know, come back to the hotel, get, get freshened up a little bit, you know, a little suit on. Uh, my our buddy, Richie Gary, friend of the podcast, he works for AYS. Uh, Richie, shout out. Thank you for everything you did that night. Uh, he got me into City Taste of Tennis, an AYS sports event um, where everybody goes to a big cocktail party and, uh, you know, get to rub shoulders with some players. I saw Eddie Elliott there, coach of uh, Lauren Davis. Uh, we've, we've had him on here before. It was good to run into him. Uh, they had a nice reggae band going. Um, food from some of the best chefs in 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 California. Um, I got to meet Kekmanovic, shook hands with Kekmanovic. Uh, really nice. I met some Dunlop reps, and we sort of hung out with them um, the rest of the, the, the for the most of the night. And then uh, he introduced me to Myanmar. Um, got to got to say hello to Patrick Maradaglu and N Holger Rune. So I, I can't necessarily say that I hate him now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Everybody was there, just having a good time. I saw JJ Wolf there. Um, yeah, it was it was great. Stremska was there. Uh, Andrescu, just a lot of just a couple names. You know, everybody was bouncing around, having a few drinks, and uh, you know, like I, I, I think the players came and went, like just to show face. But the feature of the night was Zverev. Dude, Zverev got up there and like cooked mochi with a with a Japanese chef. And dude, I do not trust this guy behind the stove cooking anybody anything. Like it was just not. I don't know. I wouldn't eat his food. <laughs> Sounds like the stars were out. The stars were out. And let me tell you, I felt so like lost. It's the first one I've ever done. And I guess that's common. But yeah, I, I, Richie was obviously working the event. So, you know, I was I was seeing him as he was running around taking photos of everything. And um, sponsors were there. And Voss was there. Uh, Sip Smith. Sip Smith is like the official gin of Wimbledon. I spoke to that guy. He's a mixologist. And he was telling us how he got that deal and everything, which is really cool. Um, and then, you know, just just a lot of, a lot of good people. I, I, the Top Court had a tent. I, I, I sort of met uh, a rep from Top Court. Uh, she was telling me about, you know, the players and the videos and, and how they're, trying, they're transitioning to pickleball, which she... Oh God! Stop the conversation. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I know. That's why I told her. I walked. I walked away. I was like, "I'm going to get you a drink," and I just didn't go back. <laughs> well, the real the, the the real question the people that are asking that watch that watch our videos is how much time was spent to get that hair in the proper space for this event? How much time was put in to get that hair going? It was it was sort of rushed, so not not necessarily as much time as I as I needed to give it. <laughs> no it was fun it was fine um really really cool event almost didn't get in that's a funny story almost didn't get in i I, i'm at a hotel across the street of the hotel that is hosting this event so richie a couple weeks ago sends me a uh, sends me a picture of the his list right his his four people that he gets in so i walk up i'm like hey i'm cole uh i'm richie's friend i'm an atp coach I work in hospitality and I have a podcast and I'm on Richie's list. Here's my name. And they go, I don't see you here. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I get pulled aside. Really kind woman pulled me aside. So like not, not like an upsetting a moment, but I was just like, damn it, Richie, here we roll. And then uh, she gets on the earpiece. Like it was secret service. It was like, 
Richie, is there a C O L E here for you? <laughs> Richie was like, Oh yeah, Cole's here. <laughs> He's like, next time you gotta send me that email. I was like, oh, Rich. <laughs> but got in and it ended up being a really, really nice night. Night to remember and um yeah, just lucky to be able to do it. Yeah, that's so cool. Uh Patrick Muradiglo is a true silver fox, let me tell you. This guy's <laughs> hair. You you want to talk about my hair? Like that guy is the definition of just for men save some gray. <laughs> save he some was gray. save some gray, baby. Touch of gray. It's Dude. touch of gray. Like just a touch. says stuff. It's unbelievable. <laughs> like he, I love, like I love the it. definition. The definition. Yeah, they're just so good. Did but, you touch his head too, Cole? Or no, nah, I just shook his head. <laughs> Um, but so I the the three um, people I was speaking to was Top Court the reps Top Court reps the Sense Arena which is like that VR stuff yeah Bo Trays did you talk to him no I talked to a guy named Justin okay Um, and then I talked to talked to I talked to a guy named uh, Pedro Herrera who's the Dunlop rep who was like shaking hands with all these players that he reps um, and those three guys really, I really connected with those three guys, and uh, it was just, it was a good time. I, f- I feel like I am employed by those three people now. Well, all the Dunlop talk, it sounds like we got to find a way to get sponsored by Dunlop. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, sticks right no, Man, no man's land tennis podcast brought to you by Dunlop. Dunlop. <laughs> that's that's what the goal is, I think, for Papa Ooh. Keith, and maybe Cole will switch. I don't know, maybe Cole would switch. I asked him, I said, be honest with me. Maybe I shouldn't say this on the pod, but I said, be honest with me. What's the difference between me using a Dunlop and a Wilson? And he just goes, it's all right here. And I was like, that's true. I guess it's true. But also, I feel like you got to be comfortable with a racket actually in your hand a little bit before like, you make a switch or want to make that switch completely. Yeah, I mean... But- a lot of these racket companies, their their top tier rackets are, are pretty similar. They're coming from similar molds or they're similar string patterns and balance and weight and all that. And you can tinker with it a little bit. But I think, I mean, Keith, Keith's like a racket technician, so he would he would know better than I. But we can do a whole episode on that one day. I'll save that for another. I'll save that for another day. But save that for a rainy day. But um, no, I mean, Indian Wells this week is a great week. I. I it's weird because, and it kind of bring this full circle is that a lot of times tennis looks for the event. That's the closest to the masters where everything is perfect and everything is set up. And I think everybody wants to kind of put it to Wimbledon, but I would make the argument sometimes that it's, it's Indian Wells. It's what the players love the most. Everything always seems to be set up. It always seems to be in a serene setting. The weather is always good and the players are always great. And it's a fun event. And uh, I can't wait to delve deeper into the tournament. Uh, on our episode on Thursday and also talking with John uh, who's running a, uh, a challenger next week as well. Uh, that should be, that should be a lot of fun. Yeah, no, I think this was sort of a great little tune up and, and getting ready. Like you said, Keith, for our episode release on Thursday, I'm pumped to, we had a great chat with Johnny Levine. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to releasing that. And then we'll do a, a deep dive into more of Indian Wells and sort of the tennis side of things. But Cole, thanks again for sharing all the experience. I think that's hopefully not just a once in a lifetime trip for you. I hope you get to get out there every year. Yeah, it would be great. I'll have to. Well, hey, well, Miami's coming up. I have to talk to Richie. 
Yeah. Yeah, had done. Miami, Miami. Well, thanks, everybody. Keep tuning in where you listen on Apple, Apple Podcasts and Spotify and check out everything on social media. Follow us at Instagram, NML underscore tennis. Twitter, same handle. Th